year member of this congregation. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's online Zoom service. We are a liberal, multi-generational religious community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritually questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome a full range of theological perspectives as well as a full range of spiritual traditions and practices. As a Unitarian Universalist congregation, we strive to be a community where everyone is able to fully participate, regardless of gender, gender expression, race, color, ethnic or national origin, religion, sexual, affectional orientation, age, class, physical character, or disability. Whether you have been part of our congregation for decades or this is your first time visiting, we welcome you. Whether the faith and traditions of your past, we welcome you. Whatever the faith and traditions of your past, we welcome you. Whatever your theological stance, we welcome you. Whatever your heritage, we welcome you. Whoever you are and whomever you love, we welcome you, the whole of you. We especially welcome any visitors who might be with us today and invite you to join us for conversation in the breakout rooms once the service has ended. We invite you to place your name and contact information in our online guestbook, 
which you can find on the uca.ca website. We gather today in gratitude on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. As part of that relationship, we are sharing with you the new indigenous names that have, given, that have been given to Edmonton's 12 redrawn municipal wards. The names were chosen by a panel of 17 indigenous women, the Committee of Indigenous Matriarchs, and approved by city council in December. Today we share with you Ward 8, called Papasteo Ward. The ward is in South Central Edmonton from the University of Alberta down to 34th Avenue. Papasteo was the respected leader of the Papas Chase Band, which resided in the Edmonton area in the late 1800s. The chief's name translates to large woodpecker in English. Good morning, I'm Reverend Leanne Washington, the Interim Minister for the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. Our theme for the month of June is play. Play may be defined as exercise or activity engaged in for enjoyment or recreation rather than for a serious or practical purpose. Developmental psychologists tell us that play is one way in which children learn about their environment and learn the skills they need to become an adult. Today is a special day because we're celebrating a uniquely Unitarian Universalist ritual, Flower Communion. We're going to engage in a type of imaginative play that will allow us to see ourselves in the flowers that we have brought here this morning. In this play, there are lessons to learn and joys to celebrate. As explained by Reginald Zatoli, a Unitarian Universalist contributor to Words for Worship, the Flower Communion Service was created by Norbert, Norbert Kapik, who founded the Unitarian Church in Czechoslovakia. He introduced this special service to that church on June 4th, 1923. For some time, he'd felt the need for some symbolic ritual that would bind the people in his congregation more closely together. The format had to be one that would not alienate anyone who had forsaken other religious traditions. The traditional Christian service that involves bread and wine was unacceptable to many members of his congregation because of their strong reaction against the Catholic faith. So he turned to the native beauty of their countryside for elements of a communion which would be genuine to them. This simple service was the result. It was such a success that it was held yearly just before the summer recess of the church. People were asked, as you were asked, to bring a flower of their choice, either from their own gardens or from the field or roadside. When they arrived at church, a large vase stood waiting in the vestibule, attended by two young members of the church school. Each person was asked to place their own flower in the vase. This signified that it was by their own free will they joined with the others. And the vase that contained all the flowers was a symbol of the United Church Fellowship. The young attendants helped with the arrangement of the bouquet. Later, they carried the vase up to the front of the auditorium and placed it on a table there. 
Dr. Capick then said a prayer after which he walked over and consecrated the flowers while the congregation stood. Then the two attendants took the vase back out into the vestibule. After the service, as people left the church, they were invited to take a flower from the vase, a flower that was other than the one that they brought. The significance of this flower communion is that no two flowers are alike. So no two people are alike. Yet each has a contribution to make and together we create a beautiful and beloved community. Today, meeting by Zoom as we are, we have made some adjustments to the typical flower communion. The message is essentially the same, but the means of embodying our connection to each other has by necessity been modified a bit. Fear not, there will be directions for what to do with your flowers later in the service. Now, let us join in worship and in communion. We begin our service this morning as Unitarian Universalist congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. As we light our chalice, Beth Jenkins will read like the first hint of green written by Jennifer McLaughlin. As the first hint of green begins to peek through the barren ground, as that little sprig grows into a healthy stem, as that stem grows into a stalk and forms a bud, as that bud slowly opens with each new day to form a yellow daffodil, let us be like that first hint of green, renewed by the warmth of the sun's rays and ready to emerge with a new energy, ready to face the day. We light this chalice to bring a glimmer of that warmth into our space. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 38, Morning Has Broken.
important part of our community is sharing the joys and sorrows of our lives. If you have a personally significant joy or sorrow, please type it into the chat window where we will be able to see it. I will read them aloud, as many as I can, for joys and sorrows will be part of our posted recording of the service. If you'd not like to have your joy or sorrow available to the public, then indicate that in the chat with the prefix private. You may also send your joy or sorrow to candles at uce.ca. Yvonne lights a candle of gratitude for this community. Maria reminds us that she mentioned her desire to get a diagnosis to help her and she's received it. She has ADHD and now so much about her life makes sense. She lights a candle of gratitude. Maida lights a candle of joy for a family get together yesterday outdoors, of course. It was so lovely to hear the laughter of children playing. Louise lights a candle of I'm not sure you would say joy, but she's telling us that she is now on jury duty and she knows how important it is to serve and is looking inward for guidance. So we'll call it, she's lighting a candle for guidance. Gerard lights a candle of remembrance. He's remembering Stephen as he sits with a bouquet of lilacs, Stephen's favorite flower. Now we recognize all the unspoken joys and sorrows held within the sanctuary of our hearts and those who have yet to find a spiritual home where they can share their joys and sorrows. This morning, I share with you words of thanksgiving followed by a moment of quiet meditation. For the warmth of longer days, we are grateful. For pink prickly wild roses that bloom, we are grateful. For tender grass beneath our bare feet, we are grateful. 
For buzzing yellow bees and tweeting red robins, we are grateful. For the river's sparkling hue and skies of blue, we are grateful. For rest and shelter and food, we are grateful. And for a community that challenges and supports us, we are grateful. To whom much is given, much is expected. May we live lives worthy of these and many more blessings that we have received. Amen, Ashe, and blessed be. Please bring your attention back to the here and now. And with mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 65, The Sweet June Days. Song of praise, 
speak. The flowers have the gift of language. In the meadow, they speak of freedom, creating patterns wild and free as no gardener could match. In the forest, they nestle snug carpets under the roof of leaf and branch, making a rug of such softness. At end tip of branches, they cling briefly before bursting into fruit sweet to taste. Flowers, can you not speak to our sadness and hope to our fear? Can you not say how it is with you that you color the darkest corner? The flowers have the gift of language. At the occasion of birth, they are buds before bursting. At the ceremony of love, they unite two lovers in beauty. At the occasion of death, they remind us how lovely is life. Oh, would that you had voice, silent messengers of hope. Would that you could tell us how you feel arrayed in such beauty. The flowers have the gift of language. In the dark depths of a death camp, they speak the light of life. In the face of cruelty, they speak courage. In the experience of ugliness, they speak the persistence of beauty. Speak, messengers, speak, for we would hear your message. Speak, messengers, speak, for we would hear what you could not say, for the flowers have the gift of language. They transport the human voice on wings of beauty. They lift the melody of song to our ears. They paint through the eye and hand of the artist. Their fragrance binds us to sweet-smelling earth. May the blessing of the bees be upon you. May their beauty beckon you to each morning. And their loveliness lure you each day. And their tenderness caress you each night. May their delicate petals make you gentle and their eyes make you aware. May the stems make you sturdy and their reaching make you care. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 63, Spring Has Now Unwrapped the Flowers.
Today, we liken ourselves to flowers and all their diverse shapes, sizes, and colors. And we liken our relationships to each other, to nature and to the divine, to the relationship of gardener to garden. The title of today's message is God Loves a Garden, which befits the Unitarian origin of the flower communion. As Unitarians, our understanding of God is broad and encompasses such notions as spirit of life, creative force, source of all that is, and so on and so forth. The sentiment simply being that we humans did not create the natural world in which we live. When we look at it and realize that we are connected to it, we can learn so much by analogy and simile about what it means to be human. Please join me in suspending disbelief and cynicism and criticism and in embracing the message of strength and unity and diversity that comes from flowers and God's preference for biodiversity. Though I do not claim to know how plant life, flowers in particular, or gardens in general, first came into being, I do know that every garden, cultivated or wild, begins with seeds each seed looking nothing like its ultimate manifestation as a flower, and each seed knowing exactly how to become that flower. The same is true of us. I'm reminded of last week's service in which we discussed the bit of scripture where God tells a reluctant Jeremiah not to be afraid to become a prophet because he, Jeremiah, was made to be a prophet. We are all born with gifts to share with the world, and spiritual maturity depends on discovering and developing those gifts. We may take courage from the example of seeds becoming flowers 
that in each of us is a potential for full realization and manifestation of our personal gifts for our own benefit and for the benefit of the communities of which we are a part. In some ways, we are our own gardeners, creating a garden of experiences through our thoughts. For what we think about, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, and our yearnings often manifest in our lives. I do not claim that we are in complete control of what happens to us, but we are in complete control over how we respond to the events of our lives. As Carrie, Fantelli asks in her poem, Garden of the Mind, what are you growing in the garden of your mind? What do you water, nourish, or feed? Do you plant seeds of forgiveness, of love? Or do you fertilize weeds of anger, resentments, and fear? What are you growing in the garden of your heart? Do you allow sunshine to reach dark pain in the corners of your heart? Do you allow tears to wash it clean and nourish it? Or do you put up fences to keep out the feelings? Get on your knees, grow your own food, decide what it is you want in your soil. Know what you are cultivating, what you are growing. A lot can grow in the garden of your body if you let it seed, nourish it, allow it, watch it to grow. Once the seeds that have been sown have sprouted, they need tending either by human hands or by the natural elements of sunshine and rain. In both cases, bees and birds contribute to the growth, development, and disbursement of the flowers in the garden, wherever they are sown. Like flowers, human beings require tending in order to be happy and healthy members of our community. As I stop sharing my slides, please place your view usually found in the upper left-hand corner of your screen to gallery view, indicated by a group of small squares. You know that you are in gallery view when you see many little boxes with people in them. While we are in gallery view, Jeff Bizance will spotlight each of you for a few seconds so that we can see you holding your flower before you, just below your eyes like this. If you did not bring a flower, you may simply use your hand and wave like this. Now, let us see your flowers. Jeff?
Thank you everyone for sharing your flowers and your faces with us. We acknowledge that flowers are a blessing to us and that we are grateful for the ways in which they enhance our lives and speak to us of hope. With mics muted, please join me in the responsive reading that recognizes the strength and beauty and needs of flowers. Ruth Patrick will lead the congregation's part. Flowers don't need our blessing to be wonderful. They already are. They don't need our blessing to be strong. They already have that strength deep within them, growing every day. What they need is a place to grow. They need some care, whether by human hands or by the warm sun and the blowing breeze and the toll of bees. They need to be part of something. Now, let us return to gallery view for a moment so that we can see everyone here. This time, please hold your flower or your hand to the side of your face like this so that we can focus on you while appreciating your flower. What a beautiful garden. It turns out that people are not so different from flowers. With mics muted, please join in the responsive reading that recognizes the strength and beauty and needs of people. Once again, Ruth Patrick will lead the congregation's part. What they need is a place to grow. We need someone to care for us and someone to care for. We need the sun and the wind and the bees too, to be a part of something grand and mysterious. And surely as I look around and I see that we don't need a blessing to be wonderful, we already are. And we don't need our blessing to be strong because we already have that strength deep within us growing every day. So may the spirit of life flow through us as surely as it flows through the flowers. <laughs> as you've seen, we come in all shapes and sizes. Let us bask in the words of Thomas Rode, who declares that all of us are beautiful. He says, we come in a variety of colors, shapes, and sizes. Some of us grow in bunches. Some of us grow alone. Some of us are cupped inward, and some of us spread ourselves out wide. Some of us are old and dried and tougher than we appear. Some of us are still in bud. 
Some of us grow low to the ground and some of us stretch toward the sun. Some of us feel like weeds sometimes. Some of us carry seeds sometimes. Some of us are prickly sometimes. And some of us smell. All of us are beautiful. What a bouquet of people we are. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 61, What Lo the Earth Awakens Again. practice, one that enlarges the heart and lightens the spirit. For no matter how much or how little we have in the sharing of it, both the one who gives and the one who receives are blessed. We are a self-governing and self-supporting community. We rely on your donations to support our staff and our programs. Now more than ever, we need your financial support. Please visit our website at uce.ca and click on donate in the upper left corner to find the donation method that best suits you. 
for the month of June, we encourage you to also support the George Spady Society. Please visit their website for more information about them. You'll find a link to their website on our church homepage, uce.ca. Now with mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 402 from You I Receive. Before we bring our worship service to a close this morning, I thank those who have made our time together possible. Without them, our worship service would not be so meaningful and so joyous. Jeff Bizantz, who opened our Zoom room for the service and greeted everyone. Ruth Marriott, who's recording our service today and who will post the service on YouTube and SoundCloud. Gloria Krenbrank, who will manage our breakout rooms after the service. Susan Rutan, who has created our slides and has run them this morning. And last, but by no means least, Ruth Patrick and Beth Jenkins, our readers. Of course, flower gardens are not the only kind of gardens that can be likened to a community of people. As we listen with a bit of levity to the words of Thanksgiving written by Reverend Max Coots, let us consider our friends and family as, hmm, fruits and vegetables. Let us give thanks for a bounty of people, for generous friends with smiles as bright as their blossoms, for feisty friends as tart as apples, for continuous friends who, like scallions and cucumbers, keep reminding us that we've had them, for crotchety friends, as sour as rhubarb and as indestructible. For handsome friends who are as gorgeous as eggplants and as elegant as a row of corn. And the others as plain in potatoes and as good for you. For friends as unpretentious as cabbages, as subtle as summer squash, as persistent as parsley, as endless as zucchini, and who, like parsnips, can be counted on to see you through the winter. For old friends nodding like sunflowers in the evening time. For young friends who wind around like tendrils and hold us. Let us also give thanks for friends now gone, like gardens past that have been harvested, but who fed us in their times that we might live. As we bring our time together to a close by extinguishing our chalice, Ruth Patrick will read, It Becomes More, written by Reverend Amy Zucker Morgenstern. When we take fire from our chalice, it does not become less, it becomes more. And so we extinguish our chalice but we take its light and warmth with us, multiplying their power by all our lives and sharing it with the world. 
With mics muted, please join in singing our closing song, Carry the Flame. conclude our worship service this morning, Gloria Krembrink will tell us about an exciting new opportunity for you to participate in tending the UCE Garden through the caring ministry of this congregation. Gloria? Hello, everyone. I'm Gloria. I'm secretary for the UCE board, and I am dispatcher for the UCE's new Caring Connections project. I hope you had a chance to read the information on page seven of the June newsletter. Check that out if you haven't. Caring Connections is a way for members, friends, and staff of UCE to keep connected and care for each other in practical ways. It looks like Alberta will be opening up fairly soon and out of COVID lockdown. So I'd love to line up some Caring Connector volunteers. If you'd like to find out more, feel free to phone or email me anytime. My contact information is in the newsletter. I'll be providing more updates as time goes on. Thank you. Although our worship service is now concluded, our concern for humankind has not. Reverend Audrey Brooks has written a poem in response to the discovery of 215 Indigenous children's remains near a Kamloops residential school. Reverend Audrey, would you please share your poem titled Every Child Matters with us now? Thank you. Can everybody see me? Okay, the, this is called Every Child Matters, and it was written in response to uh, the rally that was held at the legislature building. Uh, the legislature was wrapped in white plastic because of re renovations. So this is the poem, Every Child Matters. Alberta legislature in renovation is clad in the accidental white of death. While in the garden, the statue of a nun holds her shield of purity so close that she cannot say, Mia culpa. In memory of 215 Indigenous children, 215 pairs of shoes surround her statue, 215 minutes for silent remembrance. As grief and anger spill like fire, from hearts of broken communities. Little children who were loved were kidnapped and grievously suffered at the hands of my avaricious ancestors who put them in residential schools to drive the savage Indian out of them. Eaten, starved, 
insulted, violated children, destroyed in language, culture, the inner spirit, tried to escape, to find mom and dad. All they wanted was home, food, and safety from brutalizing inhuman conditions. Systematic racism is a Canadian mantra. In order to take from Indigenous peoples what was not rightfully theirs to take and to do it over the graves of little children is to commit this ultimate genocide. To label a people as inferior, to incite others to hate them, to persecute them and take away rights, to loot Indigenous land and culture, to make them scapegoats for social ills, to destroy their nation through their children, to isolate them in concentration camps called Indian reservations. Yet, C.S. Lewis said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Trudeau said, our country failed them. Let his words result in change. Thank you. And thank you, Reverend Audrey, for reminding us that even though we may have garden plots from place to place, we are all part of the same garden. We are all part of humankind. And there's much work still to be done in Canada with regard to reconciliation with Indigenous populations. So I hope that if you would like to do some work, you'll get in contact with Reverend Audrey and others who can help you decide how you want to contribute your gifts and spend your energy in this important healing work. Now, please feel free to take a short comfort break, get a cup of coffee, and watch our weekly announcements as they slide by. In a few minutes, you'll be invited into randomly assigned breakout rooms for conversation. You may accept the invitation to join a breakout room, you may decline the invitation, or you may accept the invitation, and then when you are ready, return to the main room. I will remain in the main room for about an hour for questions about the service and general discussion.